Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I'm your host, True Sample. I'm joined by um, my reoccurring guest and very good friend, Miss Gina Tron. How are you doing today, Gina? Hey, good. How are you doing? Uh, very well. Thanks for asking. Um, yes, yeah, so we had um, we're having Gina on today because a couple reasons. Gina just keeps pumping out these good articles. Um, you've been pumping out a lot in like that local Colorado paper. That local yeah, Westward. There, it's a really, really good art, uh, really good paper, and really good to work work with. And I get to write fun stories and see some fun shows. Or I write mostly music for them. Yeah, it's pretty. It's been. It's pretty entertaining to read. Um, also, <laughs> yeah. Also, you just wrote that awesome article, kind of in, um, kind of like in in on the topic of you know, rape, rapey how, rape. Yeah, rapey rape, and how. Uh, Bill Cosby, um, I mean, like, it's been, like, it goes to the surface, and then it gets thrown under the rug, and it comes back to the surface, and I feel mm-hmm. like, finally, it's staying. Like, he's... With he's, him, yeah. It's been like going on for years. Like, he's paid off so many people, but, like, you can only hide that, that bullshit for so long, and, um, so your article was pretty awesome, um, and we're, we're definitely going to get into that, but also, go to papercutpress.bigcartel.com. And buy Gina's book. You're fine. It's a cool little book. Um, it's like a everything about it's really cool. Like not just the writing, which I haven't I haven't del- I haven't delved too deep into it yet. But um, from the excerpts that I've read that you've posted, it's really well written, which is no surprise. And um, just the book itself, it's this cool little book. Um, it's kind of it's, I like the way that I like the I like the presentation of your book, Gina. Thank you. And the cocaine lines on the, the cover? Cocaine lines, yeah. Cocaine <laughs> lines on the cover. It's very quaint, very precious. Yeah, it's called You're Fine. So check it out. It's about Gina. Um, actually, Gina, we'll, uh, so real quick, summarize. Well, we've talked, if you haven't heard Gina before, she talked, hinted a lot, a lot about what it's about, but it's about Gina um, kind of uh, going. Psych ward. Yeah, it's going to the psych ward. Is that so, like a state mandated thing? No, no. It was um I found, I uh I checked in myself. Okay. Yeah, it was in um Christmas Eve of twenty ten. I checked yeah. into a psych ward. Um which was not like I wasn't planning to, to go in on Christmas Eve, but uh, it was just like mm-hmm. it's just so hard to get help when you really need it. Like I a few days before I was I went to like a regular hospital because I I had been in rehab, um couple weeks before and I kind of relapsed and I wanted to go back to a psych ward or I wanted to go back to a rehab and I was open to a psych ward. So I went to a psych, uh, I went to a regular hospital and I was like, you know, my outpatient program said to go to the hospital if I relapse and they can help me get back into a rehab. And I just waited at the hospital for days. And then finally I was like, I'm just going to go check in myself to a place. 
because I just really wanted to get help. (laughs) They're milking you for how much money they could probably get from you. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it sucks because, like, the the system, like, mental health system and drug uh, rehabilitation center, it's, like, it really isn't that helpful for people that, like, honestly want to use it. But it's, like, a lot of people also really know how to abuse the system, you know. There's certain people who really know how to work things to get all the pharmaceuticals they need or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting and a very dysfunctional, um, I think, like, institution. And, I mean, I think, like, it's just something that needs to be looked at more a little bit. I agree. Like, um, it's, it's, it's a weird thing, like, because mental health is – I mean, we see all the time cops killing people with mental health issues. Yeah. And, like, even, like, I watched this uh, movie. You know, it is a movie. But, I mean, the the practices of treating mental health, like, were terrifying. Like, for a very long time. And, and a big thing was just it was, like, families didn't want to deal with their family members with mental health. So they put them in uh, asylums and stuff like that. And it's – so there's not, like, a very good track record in – in like the field of mental health and the treatment of mental health. And I think it's, uh, I agree. Yeah. It's been, it's been like, I know like, um, somebody I used to know their, their mom who I got to know pretty well, she used to work in a psych ward and she told me crazy stories about like how a husband would be cheating on his wife and then she would get quote hysterical and he would have her committed and he would just basically abandon her because you know, he found a new, new, yeah. Or whatever and just so many stories like that of like families abandoning people and and also too like w- wives used to be like property of their husbands and... yeah that 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 was another problem too but yeah the mental health like and i guess in, in many ways when it comes to like just kind of abandoning people in a psych ward or whatever i think that still kind of exists today to a lesser extent where you know it's so much easier just to write somebody off as crazy than to than to like or mentally ill than to like you know get them proper help or really try to figure out what's going on because it's just like one of those taboo things where it's like oh i can't deal with that like just get it away from me yeah i mean someone that's mentally ill because like you know mental illness is not something that's like a permanent thing necessarily sometimes it is but sometimes people are just like just trying to cope with life and you know they're not you know stuff isn't easy sometimes and yeah you just need a little empathy yeah i agree it's um yeah it's kind of like a common thing i think like i know definitely my lack of coping skills led to me like having some issues with alcohol mm-hmm. and um and even then like uh, it's it's kind of like this weird thing that i deal with because I, I don't think i'm not i'm definitely not addicted and i don't and I was never really addicted. It was just something that, like, I didn't want to deal with my problems and I didn't want to think about them or I didn't want to deal with the fact that I, I didn't like things in my life or things about myself. So instead of, like, trying to, like, just deal with it or cope with it, like, I would just, you know, just get, get hammered. But yeah. I think that's normal, too. And I think that's one of the problems with, like, addiction or, in quote, addiction is, like, the that there's too much black and white when it comes to dealing with that, like... Like, I wouldn't consider, even though I I was an addict, I don't consider myself to be an addict, which I know goes against AA and NA, which I used to go to. But, like, I have a glass of wine every now and then, and I will go out and have a few beers, but I don't even really get drunk anymore. But I will yeah. drink maybe once a week, twice a week. 
Yeah, um, we had a socially, and I don't, and I can definitely stop, and I, I don't like getting drunk. No, but it feels like, like you feel like shit the next day. Yeah, but I feel like I mean, some people they have to stop drinking altogether. It just it just has to do with who you are. But like, you know, I don't say because I I was addicted to cocaine, which is very addictive drug in the first place. I was it was very addictive, but also I was in a dark place. So obviously that's like a deadly combo. But I was really just, you know, self-medicating because I was upset. Um, so I don't consider myself an addict, but I was an addict at that time. And I think when it comes to, like, studying addiction, like, there's not that much room for gray areas like that. I agree. Yeah, it's not um, – I, I completely agree. I, I mean, I had to go to the state-mandated um, hotel jail after oh, – yeah. After I was well, yeah, we recorded a podcast like the day I got out. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was like our second. I think that was our, our second yeah, podcast. Yeah. I think you were very vague about it at the time. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I was really angry that I had that I even really had to go. Well, I was angry. Like the, a lot of it did have to do with me being angry by myself about myself. But like the thing was, is I'd already dealt with a lot of the issues. Like when you're not driving your car, you don't have a job. Like you have time to think about stuff. And, and I did, like I, I did a lot of, you know, um, reflection and, and I did a lot of, um, well, I think the psychedelics help too. Like, just cause like if you, if you don't use psychedelics in a sense, like, Oh yeah. Oh, I got alcohol and pills. Let's eat some mushrooms. But like, I just ate some mushrooms and, um, really just like thought about my life and thought about like why things were going the way that I wanted them to go. And, Realized that a lot of it was to do with myself and my own actions. And then, um, so what happened was, is, you know, I, I, uh, I just kind of dealt with my issues Mm -hmm. and, um, and then so, but my court case was like delayed a long time. So what what happened was, is my lawyer just knew like the city that I had gotten arrested in, like they were going to, they were going to try everything they could. He pretty much explained to me that. Oh, you know, the prosecutor is actually a contracted employee. He gets paid by the hour. Um, so he's going to draw this out as long as possible because he'll get overtime. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to bounce this to county where I know one of the judges. And then the judge is pretty much I'm, – I'm pretty sure I can get them. The lawyer is not really going to want to take it to trial. I don't want to take it to trial. So he's going to force the officer – to um, come down in the sentencing from the DUI to a lesser thing, which is what happened. So I got like a physical control. He's like, but you're still going to have to go to, you know, the counseling thing or jail. I go to the counseling thing though, because it looks better on your record. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, that sounds good. So it took like, it it took over a year for everything to get settled. Like it, um, let's see it. uh, Oh, actually... It didn't take over a year. It took about six months. Um, and so, wow, my, my calendar was way off. So it was like last, it was like in April. And I, I really couldn't afford to go. I had to take like a signature loan so I could go to this counseling thing. Because I didn't have a job and I'd run out of money. Oh. And, um, but yeah, like I just, I just like, I was just sitting in there. And they're they're just not using any science. Like I'd done a lot of research about like, behavioral therapy and coping mechanisms and I never and I guess just once I once I thought about the concept of coping mechanisms and 
how was I coping with things and what was leading to what and just really kind of looked at myself. It was a lot easier, but they weren't preparing anybody. They weren't like having people take a hard look at themselves. It was all about, you know, it, it was just clearly bullshit. Like they they use like these weird like scare tactics and they use junk science and it was a big like commercial for AA because this one dude – who was leading it was like, like he had recovered and he goes to AA and he's like, you know, there's neat people there, you know? And it was like this sales pitch for AA, which was bullshit. And then they had this, um, they had this, uh, uh, Gina, you know, it'd be awesome if I had you on. And then I just talked about me the whole time. <laughs> I think that's a great idea for a podcast, <laughs> but, uh, I'll finish up here. They had like it was just bullshit. They had these stats like they like these fake penalties in other countries. And it was like it was written clearly in the age for the age before Google. So you it was really hard to fact check stuff. Mm-hmm. And now like I could just do a Google search and say, oh, in El Salvador, it's not death by firing squad if you get a DUI, which is what they fucking told people. And really? it, yeah, it's like so even if like whatever you're factually saying is the truth. This one lie is going to ruin everything that you're trying to say. Yeah. So, um, so they made us watch these stupid movies, and I just car crash movies. What? They, uh no, not car crash movies. That would have been fun to watch. It was like uh, Twenty Eight Days with uh, um, Sandra Bullock, where she where she's recovering from. She goes to some rehab spot, and she's recovering from her alcohol addiction, and <laughs> and it's just like this this bullshit Sandra Bullock movie. And then this crappy movie. Uh, she fell in love with one of the guards. Yeah, she she falls in love with like Vigo Mortensen, who's also in there, and he's also an addict. And Dominic West is like her drunk boyfriend, and uh, it's an awful movie. I wouldn't recommend anybody to watch it. And I'm gonna that, watch it tonight. Yeah, you should. And like, <laughs> so I just like treated it like riff tracks the whole time, or like mystery science theater. And, like, the first time we were, like, unsupervised and nobody said anything. And then, like, the second time they really didn't appreciate it because they're like, this movie's meant to help people. I'm like, well, it's not going to, so I'm just going to make this entertaining. And they didn't like that. And then um, they didn't like whenever they would say bullshit. I would be like, that's completely not true. And I would just always debate with them. And I would – and, like, because I, like, knew my rights and I knew a bunch of other stuff. And – um and yeah, so it was just kind of like one of those things. Like, uh, so then they threatened to kick me out, and then I, I kind of shut up because I didn't, I couldn't afford not to. Like, I wasn't in a position where I could just fight it. So I, I just shut up the rest of the time, and I ate my food, and then like, but they had this speech at the end because like I got everybody like to realize how much bullshit it was, and I got people to like fact check things on their own. So then they like threatened. They said like they had never had like such an awful class and all this other stuff. <laughs> and I and I and I and then um, they were like, you know, some of you are going to get DUIs, and we'll see you here again. And so, but like at the very end, this lawyer comes and like represented, like his his law firm had represented most of the people that were in the room, and the lawyer and and I'm so I'm pretty sure. I think they they like make donations to this clinic, so meaning that like I'm sure that they have some ownership of this clinic because it's a private clinic. So it's probably like another way for this law firm to make money. I'm pretty sure they're they're part owner of it. Um, I'll have to double check, but um, pretty much tells people how to not get DUIs, like what what to say to cops and stuff like that. And it's um, 
I don't know. It's 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 just this. Uh, it's it's just kind of this weird. It was just kind of this weird experience, and and like for me, it like it it did like it wasn't helpful, and I, and I was more offended by the fact that like you have an opportunity that you're requiring people to go to so they can get help, and you're not giving them help. You're just trying to suck them into the state system, and you're just trying to like it. It was just really. It was for me. It was really. Um, it was just disappointing. But it's run by the state, so I'm not really surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, Gina, now that we've been talking, you know, for for 15 minutes, and I've just talked about myself the whole time. So, Gina, your experiences. <laughs> Back to that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I killed no, this conversation, right. Gina. I like that you said uh, the psychedelic thing. I actually, I think there's been studies that show that, um, I mean, that psychedelics are actually good for you or like if you're taking it very seldomly like once every few months or a year or something it's good for like ptsd and stuff yeah it really is like there's a lot of good studies like and i think too like it's um it's kind of it goes like back and forth though like because i think like people do incorrectly use psychedelics i I don't yeah of course yeah you can definitely like fuck yourself up on on anything and anything yeah but people you know if you abuse it but i think if you're like in the right mindset and like you take not a huge amount it can kind of like help you come to terms with stuff and just kind of realize how absurd and beautiful the world is yeah just kind of i don't know I've, I've had some good experiences with me too psychedelics and it's something i don't really abuse or use very often at all I use it like once or twice in like the last few years, and it was just such a like I don't want to say healing because it wasn't really healing. I was laughing a lot; it was fun, but it was also like kind of healing. Yeah, was like it's kind of like oh, oh, life is so weird, but it's great, you know. Yeah, like but, it made you realize what was actually important. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like how? So how would you say that that like affected you with your writing and like you just like getting yourself out there with writing i think it's helped you know i think i think you know every experience helps as like a writer um but i think you know seeing things more clearly and like just seeing like the absurdity and stuff is like really helpful for writing um and right now i'm like working on like a fiction book um which i'm like thirty-five thousand words in right now um, and it's just been like, it's just so much more freedom in writing fiction than nonfiction. And now I already know how to write a book for the most part, like the structure. So it's just like, it's so fun to like, just kind of like not do straight up, like, you know, journalism or nonfiction going by facts, but more like imagination. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, what kind of, so what kind of book is it? Is it like just a normal fiction or? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's basically a lot my life, but fictionalized. So like, I'm like using a lot of characters and like people I've met and experiences, but totally like exaggerating or like changing things up and just kind of making a story out of, out of that. Um, I don't want to go too much into it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. It's, it's. It's cool. I'm still kind of like figuring it out, um, but uh, but it's great. It's like it's cool. I I think like most fiction is based on like real things, and like most fic- uh, nonfiction is like 
slightly fictionalized because you can't remember for verbatim what like people said. No, that makes that makes sense. It's like a weird gray area. Have you had any like naysayers in your book, or did you change? So you changed a lot of the names in your current book, so people wouldn't. Yeah, know. all the names except for one are changed. Um, and uh, actually, surprisingly, everyone that's read it, um, who who are characters in the book, like loved it. And I was like expecting a little more backlash, so I'm really surprised and grateful for that. Like, um, there's a bunch of characters in it that you know, that they read it and they were like, yep, that's what happened. And <laughs> I love the book. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> and, uh, no, there hasn't been any, there's been nobody that's said that I, you know, that I wrote them wrong or that they felt offended. I did give some people some, you know, warning ahead of time. I'm like, read this. I, I have to make changes by this date. If you see anything, let me know. And nobody told me to change anything. So, so it's been, pretty cool <laughs> yeah that's cool that people have been supportive yeah really supportive i'm really lucky so let's talk about this asshole bill cosby oh yeah um it's crazy because i mean i mean i, I don't know if he's guilty or not but i feel like he's guilty because it's just there's so many women that yeah, like they've I mean, swept under the rug there's for attention or money i mean i don't really know how much money you're gonna get from that at this point if you know, I think he shut some women up back in the day with money, but now they're going public. I don't really know if he can. I mean, it's just too many people. If there's like one or two people, I could say maybe, but it's like all these people coming out of the woodwork, and I just don't. And some of them are like famous or successful in their own right, and I just don't see what they would have to gain by saying that the pudding man raped them. Like it's not, not very something that you'd want to make up and it's like i don't know it's his 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 reactions to it also are just creepy something about his reaction to it is just doesn't seem right yeah i i don't uh i mean just for for listeners that don't know so bill cosby um for years and it's been swept under the rug but what he would do is he would tell these these women who wanted to be famous or were like up, like thought they were up and coming, that he was going to make them famous. He was going to help them, and so what he did was he would, they would come over to his house. And the weird thing is, is that if he probably just wanted to have sex with them, he probably could, mm-hmm. um, like because it was just kind of like one of those seduction things. But he'd like get him some wine, and he would drug the wine, and so fucked up. yeah, and then they would like they would just wake up somewhere else or something like that and it's uh uh, it's really it's really fucked up and and if it's true he's like a monster yeah he really is and it's and it's and and like a lot of people are trying to protect him because he's like he's he uh really well he has this puritan image too like he's like the Mm -hmm. image that like uh tv dad tv dad but i think also too like i think like to not because this isn't an issue of race, but at the same time, like he speaks out a lot against you know popular black culture. He speaks out a lot about like different things, and like he he fits the conservative Puritan image. Like yeah, he fits no, this agree. he fits this image of you know you know you should work hard, you should you know you should set, make sacrifices, and like kind of like the whole. I don't know if you've ever read like Thaddeus Russell. 
Um, you wrote this book, um, Renegade History of the United States. And there's always been like, he talks about like the struggle of hedonism and puritanism. That's always been this like underlining struggle of the United States. And, um, and so like Bill Cosby really fits the, fits the mold of what, what, you know, kind of like pop, like, I guess it's kind of like proper culture, I guess would say is what like proper white culture, like once, once, once a role model to be, and he fits that image. So when you, when you attack that, they're going to, they're going to do what they can to protect him. And, and, and like something you were saying about even just in that article, you were taking from experiences, um, from your process. And you wrote a couple articles about your rape experience Mm -hmm. And you've been like very, very um, open about it, and and like, and I never, never really connected the dots the way you put it in this article. Like, you know, you know, you, you the, you're the the rape the guy who raped you profiled you because he knew you like fit a certain standard of person. Like, or like you're talking about child molesters try to molest kids that they know are liars, so that yeah. people won't believe them, and that's really creepy. It's really. Um, yeah, it's very calculating, and you don't want to think that people think that way, but they totally do. And you know, and studies for years on on serial sex offenders, both with adults and with children, like both rapists and child rapists and molesters, like they all have kind of a similar mo where they they want to continue to get off, which is their goal. They have a they have an addiction to sex with whatever. And they want to continue to do it, so they're not going to attack, like, you know, the minister's daughter who, or whatever. They're going to attack, you know, drug addicts or, like, you know, women that are, like, floozies, as they would say. Women that are trying to be famous, you know what I mean? Or just, like, taking advantage of people that people might, you know, not want to trust to begin with. Or, like, with kids, like the kids from a rough home and, uh... Actually, on that article, I went, after I wrote that, someone from um, Sandusky, whole Sandusky thing, said, like, this hits home with me because that's what they did there. Um, you know, he, he went for the kids that had rough home lives. You know, not going to go for the football quarterback or whatever. Or maybe he will. If they come from a rough home or they people, you know, to, to kind of use... Yeah, he's not going to go for someone that's in the spotlight. It's the same thing with what, like... What police are doing when they like profile kids to try to get um, high schoolers to sell them drugs. So what they do is they profile the kids that don't have friends, or yeah. like the one kid who's autistic who didn't didn't know any better and he just wanted a friend because everybody picked on him. So they find loners and outsiders, and those are their victims. Like those are the victims for any serial rapist or or any. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, like it's the easy way to go. It totally is. Like, I mean. And, uh, yeah, that's why when people are like, oh, well, I don't, like, some of these women were just trying to be famous. I'm like, well, I don't really see how that, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they were the biggest bitches ever. It doesn't matter if he was, you know, drugging and raping them and taking advantage of that, still raping people, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, there's this you weird. You like one woman think of the other dozen or however many or whatever. Yeah, it's. It's um it's interesting because there's this really weird thing that happens in our culture and like we've talked about it a lot with like the school shooting thing um and it's funny because like it it's it's it like anytime like the news makes a big deal of anything there's always like two parties 
that are just fucking crazy and ridiculous that try to like capitalize on the situation to to fight their fight. And it's uh, like school shooting. There's the pro-gun people and the anti-gun people. And like with this whole rape culture thing, there's like there really is like this this large male chauvinist side that's like she just wants attention, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She's a fucking whore anyways. And then there's the rape culture side, like the, the feminist side that really like fucking hate men. And they're like, yeah, he would do that because he's a fucking man. And no, I don't think that. I mean, I'm a feminist. I don't hate men. You don't. You don't. But like, like, all my feminist friends don't hate men at, at all. At all. If anything, they they are more like for men's rights too, because it's like, oh well, don't say, don't tell guys to man up because that's insulting. Like, yeah, don't say, don't be a pussy or whatever. Like, the guy, guys should be able to have feelings, and you know, I think that there needs to be more like gender neutrality. This. You know, well, no, I, I rigid roles are just crazy. Well, I agree with what you're saying. When I was like the extremists, like there's just like extremists in any any collective yeah. thought, like whether it be religion, and there's like there is a lot of like there's, I guess like for me, like I, I look at like like because like I'm always like I don't I don't think women are less equal or anything like that. But it's it's just like kind of like we were talking about before, like whole rape joke thing. And, like, how, like, there's funny jokes and there's unfunny jokes. Mm -hmm. And, like, and you make jokes about, like, you've made jokes about it. Like, I mean, like, like, you try to make light of the situation. There's, like, th there's certain people that are, will say, well, a, a rape joke is never funny. Well, mm -hmm. and it's, like, well, a bad joke is never funny. But yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I think, like, jokes that are, like, insult, like, like, uh, personally attacking people or whatever. But, like. Yeah, I, I think you should be able to joke about any topic because I think joking about things like helps people talk about stuff or like I think humor is a good way to like help approach serious topics. And I make rape jokes and I was raped, um, but I don't, I'm not like, oh, you know, I don't make jokes like, oh, you know how, I, how I'm going to get that girl? Drug and rape or yeah, that. that's not funny. That's creepy. Like, mm, is that what you really want to do? <laughs> yeah, that's that's creepy. <laughs> like what I was what I was mainly like saying is when I said like feminists, I think I was like categorizing like people who I think make a living from like being like a, a feminist personality. So they like, and it's the same thing. in like like there's this guy. Um, uh, I mean, there's there's like extremists in like every. Like in everything, if 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 you make if you make your living preaching a philosophy, like you're gonna say some crazy, ridiculous shit, and that's like and like anybody who does that does that, like whether it be like a like a fucking Joel Olstein guy, like somebody high up in a church. I follow him on Facebook because he's so disturbing. I just don't <laughs> I'm not a fan, but I just like. Well, yeah, because it's, it's disturbing. So yeah, yeah, like that guy makes money. By like telling like that guy's a millionaire by telling like telling people that yo if you donate it's gonna come back to you and and all this other stuff like he takes some principles and then he he basically kind of like uh, puts in his own bullshit so people will believe him but it's it's the same thing like there's um I, I, I'm on his page right now and I'm looking at uh, on his Facebook page him and his wife they look so creepy they look fake you should look at them like it's so disturbing. <laughs> He also kind of looks like the guy from Tool Time. What's that show? Tim Allen? Yeah, he kind of looks like a weird Tim Allen. Do you know Tim Allen's story? So Tim Allen, before he became a stand-up com com comedian, was a 
was a Coke dealer in Detroit. And uh, yeah, and he faced some time and he ratted out a bunch of people so he wouldn't have to go to jail. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a true story. Like that's uh, that's how he got his uh, like he he had some Matt. Well, there's I mean, he was a huge Coke user. but It's a weird thing, though. We, like it's you can't judge people for that because there's so many people that do Coke. Like I'm not I trying to like I don't fuck with it personally, but like. Like until you get around cokeheads, like you're like, oh yeah, that guy does coke regularly. There's just certain traits that they all have, and yeah, it's, uh, true. it's like the you only realize it when you're not doing it. Like, yeah, well, it's the same thing with alcohol too. Like it's like, yeah, yeah that guy's been drinking. Like, that does not look good. Uh, <laughs> um, it's funny because like I, I was dealing with this personally because like when it comes to the difference between like someone that's a drug user and a drug dealer, and then I I know. A lot of people that used to be drug dealers or still are from when I, where I grew up. And it's kind of like, it's hard. Sometimes I'm like very empathetic because I'm like, oh, I know they had a hard life. But other times I'm like, you guys are like bringing in like heroin and fucking up the town. So you're not even doing the drug. So I don't really feel where right now, or I probably are. But uh, do I feel sympathy or not? I can't, I don't know. It's like a very gray area. Yeah. Sometimes I get mad. I'm like, you know, you talk about how how damaging this is, but then you're you're dealing it. But at the same time, it's a way to make money. It's yeah. Yeah. There's this sense of uh, it's kind of like the ethical struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, at the same, like the minimum wage needs to be raised more or something. Needs to be more job opportunities. Yeah, I think it's just I think we just have to shift the way we we look at earning an income as a culture like we're not prepared like basically when you go to school it's not preparing you to to make an income in this economy like like our like future of making an income like we need to teach people like skills so they can run their own business effectively or what they need to do or like if if they're a good writer like help them write or if they're a good artist help them make their art and teach them like fundamentals of, of business so they can make a living based on their own means instead of having to rely on somebody else. Like I, it's, it's a weird thing. Like I had, um, I was talking to a friend the other day on their podcast cause I'm not really for raising minimum wage for a lot of different reasons. And I understand both sides, like I understand the side of why, why people think it's necessary, but it's, to me, it's just, a it's, it's kind of like just putting another bandaid on Yeah, because it's like, there's so many broken things. I mean, like, I mean, we're pretty much the same age, like growing up, like we were, I mean, you were made to feel like you're a loser if you didn't go to college, but, Yeah. but then you go to college and you spend a bunch of money and yeah, what a loser I am for spending all this money. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, man, I have all this debt. I, I pretty much own a house, but I don't own a house. It's a piece of paper. And I know I regret, I honestly regret going to college. I think it's a piece of, it was a scam, not a scam, but like, no, I'd say it's a scam. It's a Ponzi scheme. Cause it's like, yeah. Cause it's like. Um, it doesn't prepare you, and I, I could have done everything I've done that I'm proud of without going to college, for sure. Yeah. Uh, my, 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 my main job after college, when I moved back to Vermont, was at the TV station. I didn't use anything I learned in college. I used stuff I learned in my high school vocational center to learn about how to operate TV cameras and make graphics and direct TV show and stuff, and writing i didn't really learn much of that in college um and i remember like i'll never forget like my guidance counselor in college 
like I was gearing up to graduate and he was supposed to help me with my resume and he was I was like how does this look whatever and he was like um well if you don't know anybody in film you're not going to get any job in film I'm like well okay but he didn't say he didn't suggest you need to network or meet some people no he just said that pretty much I'm doomed and I'm like well what about marketing it was like my minor He's like, you, you still got to know people in that. I'm like, well, then why did I go to college? Like, what? Yeah, what was the fucking point of this? Like, what he, was... And he sucked. I'm like, the college was better than him. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you did get to go to Montreal, though. That was yeah. pretty cool. And I mean, I definitely think that if I was a little older when I went to college, I would have taken more advantage of the classes and actually, like, engaged more with the teacher and the books and stuff. But it's... I was still in that mindset of, like, school. I don't know. Like... I would love to take classes more, but not, like, go to a college or, like, I don't know. So self-teaching, I, like, I go to the library a lot, and I just kind of, like, learn about random stuff. And I think sometimes that's 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 also, like... Well, we have the internet now. We have YouTube yeah. University. We have all the knowledge at our fingertips, even though most of us would rather... I mean, it's still fun to get on Facebook and make fun of pictures Facebook of Joel Olstein. Porn. That's what the internet's for. Well, yeah, porn is... That's like it. That's the thing. Like everybody watches porn. And fighting with people online. Yeah, fighting with people online, <laughs> or uh, or yeah. or talking shit about Kratom. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually applied to a job at the Kratom Kratom shop here. Oh yeah, was it was it so you could uh, you could you could be like yeah. So it started out as a joke, but then they actually told me to come in. They're like, come in and talk to either Chef Dragon, um, Nighthawk. Well, they all have these like crazy names. Oh, what? And I went in and talked to one guy who was cool. I didn't end up getting the job, but which I've been crying about. But <laughs> I needed like a little part-time gig, so yeah, kratom. Kratom. I, I, I still was getting hate. Oh, you know. Oh yeah. Still, still getting hate from one of the guys. I know. It makes me like. I mean, I felt I did feel bad right away after I wrote it because, like, I was I, like they kind of like misinterpreted or thought maybe that like I was like some journalist, like vice president of Vice, going in there trying to screw up the the kratom shop. But I was just like, oh, this is something interesting, and it's a great alternative to heroin. I guess I mean they don't know where I'm coming from in terms of like addiction or that I was an addict. Like the way I write about addicts can sometimes be can sound insulting but i write the same way about myself so yeah you know i think they misinterpreted but you know then when they started calling me a cunt and wouldn't let me and they banned me from the place <laughs> uh i had a little less sympathy yeah they, for months well old boy was just kind of a douchebag like he <laughs> like out. yeah like it's like dude like you got if anything you got like a bunch of free publicity and now people aren't going to want to go to your shop because they think you're an asshole. Like, I don't... Yeah, I mean, that, that's the funniest thing about it. It was like they're saying, they're saying that the article is giving them bad publicity, but the reason the article was getting around so much was because they kept talking about it. If they just kind of, like, let it go under the radar, it wouldn't have gotten as much attention. But they were the ones that kept drawing attention to it and sharing it and commenting on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was because of them that they got, you know so much more attention not because of me so whatever it was funny it was funny i made some cool memes i uh i got a little bit protective of my friend gina and i uh made fun of this dude because he was being a lunatic 
and a baby. So <laughs> I got I got I got sucked into Facebook drama, but uh, it was funny. Like I was just trying to clown the guy. That was the first time I actually talked back for a while, for a while. I was like, I'm not engaging in this. Yeah. Like, let me just try to reason, and then it didn't work. It work. It's time to just block it, him off so. Facebook. It's time to just put the block on. Yeah, we should, I don't know. I don't know if I should even, if we should even, like, release talking about him. It's like, should we even give him that power? That's a weird uh, thing. Who cares? Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Screw that guy. Um. So, yeah, so so anything coming, do you want to wrap things up now, or do you want to keep going for a little bit longer? Uh, we can talk a little longer if you want. Cool. It's totally up to you. I'm down to talk to you more. It's it's We got a nice flow here. I felt bad because we were like, yeah, 30 minutes, and the first 15 minutes, I talk about myself. You're That's fine. like I felt I felt kind of douchey there. Um so um yeah, so so Denver's cool. Um we were talking about Bill Cosby. Oh, I was talking about um I don't know, we were talking about a bunch of stuff. Um oh yeah, how messed up school and stuff like that is. Um I don't know, Gina, I'm going all over the place now. No, but cool. I think I think though like uh it is um interesting though to think about like everybody like I didn't go to school with anything to do with audio engineering, but I had YouTube and other friends that were podcasting. So I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And then I figured out stuff on my own and just think about creative ways I can improve what I'm doing. Or, yeah, I mean, I think school wouldn't be that bad. Uh, college, I mean, if it wasn't so unaffordable, like forty grand a year is like insane. Um, and a lot of schools can afford to not charge so much um most of them can canada the not to say we should be more like canada or anything i don't i don't know all the politics about all this but i know like the the school i went to was a lot cheaper than american schools so i paid i think maybe like 10 grand or so a year which i'm still paying off but i'm in way better shape than a lot of my peers that went to american schools and then if you were a quebec resident it would it cost like uh, two thousand a year to go to school up there, so you're you'd be in way less debt. Um, but like, yeah, just it's just it's just so hard, like because back when our parents were like our age, if you either just graduated from high school or went to college, you were guaranteed a livable wage. Like you could become a mechanic. You yeah, could make money, and well- I, I still I think you make better money as a mechanic now than someone that goes to college actually well that's college now you just can't get a a decent job it's like doesn't really mean anything like you can for sure but it doesn't like put you at a bigger advantage than if you didn't sometimes Um, yeah it's it's a weird thing like it's um i was just at like this family get together and uh i was talking to a family member and we had this conversation and it's like People still believe from, like, our, our parents' age and kind of, like, that generation, like, baby boom, late or early generation Xers, like, late baby boomers, like, early generation X generation, that it's, like, you are, uh, you're, you're set up for life if you get your degree. You're just in better shape. You know, you're, you're just, you're just in a way better position. It's, like, no, you're, you're yes. not. Yeah, you're, you're totally not. Like, the, the whole thing is, is that your whole idea is that you're going to have a job. And somebody else is going to provide for you. Like you're going to be dependent on somebody else. And if that's the case, you're always going like you're always going to be set up for failure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the problem. And like I know like 
like I feel like I'm pretty resilient and I take rejection well. So like I I figured out ways to make things work, and I like just applied to hundreds of jobs until somebody hired me. But some people like they they graduate college and then they apply to like two jobs and then they're like so in so much pain from the rejection that they stop applying. And I've known a few people personally that acted like that. I'm like, dude, you you gotta keep applying for jobs like not always about you like maybe there's yeah. they're already going to hire their son just keep applying or go to like go to like um job fairs and meet people like because yeah. the whole thing is is that companies so you get a job i don't know well yeah and you can make a good money from doing good money from yeah. doing that and like but but also like you know like like look like let's say you own a company there's tons of people looking for a job right now so you post an opening, it's going to pay decent wages, so you get 600 applicants. Do you really want to read through 600 resumes, or do you want to say, you know what, um, send me a resume because it makes it official. We're going to have a job fair. I'm going to try to interview as many people as I can and actually get to know these people. Like it's it's like that's why – I mean that's why networking is so important. That's why your loose network of people is yeah. so important. Like how did you how did you find your publishers? Oh, uh, that was – yeah, that was through friends. Yeah, I mean it's it's just anything. Like I mean, my like social network, I guess. Yeah, like most most things in life that are going to be for for our generation, like you're going to find either like business or anything through a, your loose network of people. So Absolutely. your friends. Yeah, that's something they don't teach you in college. No, no, and they like, don't. They would wish that they would. Like, like you know, I think. But that's because like your college professors most of the time don't know because all they've done is work at college. Yeah. They went to college. They didn't know what they wanted to do. So they got a degree. They're like, you know, I want to do research and whatever the fuck that means. And so now there's like, there's this huge, so now, but there's so many people that have done that. There's so many people with PhDs that can't get jobs because there's, it just doesn't need. So, so what's like, I I don't, you know, we, we could beat this subject to death. If I could go back and tell myself some advice. Yeah. I would be like, you know, you need to get into an internship while you're still in college and meet people and just go to, you know, parties or things with the people of that, of, in that career that you want to do and just start like, you know, meet somebody and be like, hey, I really like what you do. Can I shadow you or can you, can we get coffee sometime? And like, you kind of tell me what you've done and just stuff like that. Like stuff like that is so much more valuable than a lot of things yeah like it's it's interesting learning to network is like i'm glad i kind of learned i learned how to network through um i mean really from doing network marketing and like kind of like ponzi i wouldn't say a ponzi scheme but you know like that business that everybody does incorrectly and makes everybody feel uncomfortable but (laughs) i learned a lot about it and like and i applied it to my podcast i mean that's how I mean, usually you just ask people if if you want to talk to them and then like, or I interviewed a guest and they knew somebody that I wanted to interview. So I talked to them and I'd get them to talk to that person for me and vouch for me. I mean, it's, it's not like when you learn how to network, it's really not hard. It's just like, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. It's just one of those things. Like put yourself out there. Um, When I look back at college, I'm like. I don't know what was wrong with me. Like, I just, I guess I just didn't care. I was just so. Well, because we were sold that all we had to do is get this degree and then we'd be fine. Maybe. Yeah. And I was just kind of just riding it and like, I would take classes and like not really pay attention. I, I don't know. But like, I wouldn't, the thing is I would like learn things or they'd be teaching something, but like 
I wouldn't apply it to like real life stuff. But when I look back, I'm like, actually, I should have thought of it like not as like a separate, not so separate from like my life, but just like, I don't know. There was like a, there's like a block between me and like learning or something. I, I can't really explain it. I and think then, uh, I think most people feel that way though. Like yeah. I, I did. Like I I skated by through high school. I think I had a GPA of like a a two point six, and I scored well on my ACT. So I got an honors diploma from high school, which was my plan. So I was like, well, I can still get this honors diploma, which must be better than the regular diploma, and I don't even have to get good grades. This is awesome. And then I then I went to college and. Just I wanted to originally go to um, like a liberal arts school and just study psychology because it was interesting to me. And then um, I was told by my friend's mom, you know, you should become a pharmacist because those that's a good job, and so and it's going to pay you well. So that's then I went into pharmacy, realized that sucked, and then I studied a bunch of other stuff and realized that those all sucked. Um, I spent time in a hospital scanning hearts that sucked. <laughs> And then I was, uh, it was like year four and I was doing corporate fitness cause I was doing like exercise physiology pre-med and I was like, well, this sucks too. And then I got a sales job and then I've just done sales since. And it's like, it's like a weird thing how your career path happened. Like when you went to school where you're like, I'm going to be a writer, I'm going to publish a book. No. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that at all. Um, it's funny cause like the one class from my college that I actually should have really paid attention to because it actually applied to me recently was the one class that I completely blew off as something I would never need because I never thought that would, I would need to, to learn it. It was a class on how to read film contracts and like do that end of like film production. And then um, I think I told you that the, the high school shooter story got options and they're turning it into like a film. They are turning it into a film now? Yeah, yeah, Screen Australia. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's they're going to have the script done in a few weeks. It's This has been going on for a while, but it's a slow process. And then they want it to get into production by like around this time next year. So things should speed up on that soon. Well, yeah, Gina, Gina Tron needs to get paid. <laughs> Hurry up, Aussies. Like, I remember like looking at it. I'm like, God damn it. Like now I have to get like, I have to get like a... Uh, a lawyer. Yeah, just to like, look, which was fine, but like, just to look over it, because like, and like, I had all the paperwork that explained like, whatever, but <laughs> but it's good. It was, it's, it's awesome. Like, you know, what's weird is that like you're, you're like that would happen. Well, yeah, you're beating yourself up for being 21 years old and thinking like, why the fuck would I ever need to know film contracts? There's <laughs> never gonna be a movie made about me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a good thing. It's a good problem, I guess. It is a good problem, but it, I mean, at the no, same like, at the same token, it's like, why do we tell young people that they need to know what they want to do with their lives when they've barely even lived? Yeah, <laughs> take some time. It does. It really does take some time. You get a job and you realize immediately what you don't want to do. I mean, it's it's like uh, like I, I spent a lot of time figuring out what I didn't want to do. Did you feel that way about school? Yeah, yeah, I like. I don't know, like film was something I thought I really wanted to do and I learned that I hated it. Like I don't hate film, but I don't wanna do like I don't wanna work on a crew with a bunch of like pretentious people. Like I don't like I don't yeah. like the, the technical stuff of film and then like having to work on a I guess I learned in college that 
I don't know. The actors are assholes? No, no, not even that. More like, like, film students are assholes. It's probably, <laughs> no, some of them are really cool, but, like, I was actually so turned off by the way people acted in, like, the art school there. And I was always, like, very artsy and dressed, like, artsy in quotes or whatever in high school and beginning of college but i got so turned off by the way that some people acted and like how pretentious i found them to be that i actually like for years tried my best to like differentiate myself and not be associated with anybody artsy artistic or like anything like that because i was like nope i'm not i'm not dealing with this like because there'd be people in my classes that would be like you see for you people, you see a straight line, but I see an explosion of color. Like, <laughs> it's like, like this film, this film for me, and it would be like, you know, they're just trying to be like David Lynch. There's like a bunch of random images like like smashed together, and like they're literally wearing like a beret. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I you didn't like the you didn't like the French Canadian film style or the, the film uh, scenes. I, I don't, I think the French Canadian film style is fine. It's probably just young kids just trying to be artistic or like yeah. told their whole life they're special or something. And yeah. Just, you know, whatever. It's just film school. A bunch of kids and trying to be film directors. That's what, that's what happens, I guess. I guess, yeah, you got to fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, Gina, I tell you what, I've had you on here longer than what we thought. Um, we can wrap it up. I could talk to you all day. Um, but, um, yes, so everybody, go to ginatronic.com. She is, uh, that's that's where you can find her awesome cartoons and many other links. Um, you have links now for my podcast you've, you've done with me and um, your articles. And uh, also, if you Google search, um, so Gina also has written a lot of articles at Lady Gun Magazine. Um, and she's had a few Vice articles um, what was the most recent one? What was the rape one in? That was uh, in... that was XO Jean. Yeah. So if you Google search Gina Tron, you can find a lot of her shit. So it's kind of it's kind of spread out. Do you have it all kind of in one location on your website? Um, or? For the most part on my website, but I haven't updated in about a month, so I need to do that. We're actually tra- yeah, it'll be updated soon. But no worries, no most worries. Stuff is on there. Anyone, if you don't know how to use Google, um, first what you need to do is learn how to use Google. And you can find <laughs> Gina's articles. You can follow her on Twitter. She is at underscore Gina Tron. Um, like her Facebook page. It's just facebook.com and then I think forward slash Gina Tron. Um, or if you just search for her on Facebook, you can find her uh, friend site. And then you can also find her journalist page. And what else? I guess that's it. Is that it? All right. Well, everyone, thanks again for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Proud of me. Oh, yeah, always. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Putting on the Ritz. Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes and cutaway coat, perfect fits. Putting on the Ritz. Dress of welcome. Trying hard to look like Gary Cooper Come let's mix, we're Rockefellers Walk with sticks or umbrellas in their mitts Putting on the Ritz Have a
Have you seen the well-to-do up and down Park Avenue on that famous thoroughfare with the noses in the air? High hats and arrow collars, white spats and lots of dollars, spending every dime for a wonderful time. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Putting on the ritz. Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes and cutaway coat, perfect fits. Putting on the ritz. Dress up like a million dollar trooper. Trying hard to look like Gary Cooper. Come, let's mix where Rockefellers walk with sticks or umbrellas in the mitts. Putting on the ritz. Putting it on, putting it on. 